awesome. How many are excited about God's word? Come on now. All right, so you have to forgive me. I've been doing Bible with the kids and all week, and it's great because I'm like, today's story is brought to you by the Gospel of Matthew. And I want you to know they were excited. They're like, Matthew's Gospel, this is awesome. Well, I'm excited because we get to begin a series for our summer entitled Stories of the Kingdom. And what we're going to be doing over our summer is, as a church, is we're going to reflect on and think through a variety of Jesus' uh, parables. I love parables because parables are stories with a purpose, and they help us better understand what the kingdom of God is like. And so as we begin today, today we are going to look at the parable of the sower. And as we do, the, the message I've entitled this morning is just simply, Improving Our Hearing. Anybody here have hearing issues? What? Yeah, this is what happens when you're over 50. Don't worry, before you leave today, we will give you an impromptu hearing test. It's going to be so good. You're going to love it. Um, but, but today we're, we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. And, and really, it's an amazing parable because it's about how you and I can experience abundance in the kingdom of God. Did you know that God's plan for you and me is that our lives might be filled with his abundance, with his goodness? Uh, the Apostle Paul would write to the Corinthian church and, and talk about the kingdom of God. And he said, you know what? The kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy. How many of you would love to have an abundance of righteousness in your life? Yeah, some of us are like going, that sounds really good. That, that means the ability to have right relationships and make right decisions and just like manage through life better. How many know that our choices impact our destiny and they impact what we're going through? And you know, there, there's a great need that we have to experience abundance. We need the righteousness of God, not only to cover our sin, but to empower and equip us to live for him. Paul also mentioned not only that the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, but also peace. How many would love to have an abundance of peace? Not, not just a little bit, but, but that no matter what happens in the ups and downs, the, the, the difficulties of life, to have a sense of peace, to have assurance, to have a sense of calm in all that's going on. But then it also says, Paul says, the kingdom of God is, the, the, the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy. And this is what I think. I think that following Jesus isn't just something that has to be endured, but it's something we get to enjoy. Can I get a witness on that one? How many know God wants us to be not sour, dour people, but joyful and hopeful? Can I get an amen on that one? Okay, look at your neighbor and give him that hopeful, joyful thing, not the sour, dour. Come on now, where's your smile? Throw your smile on. Ricky, that's a great smile, by the way. I love your smile. You know, but, but it's awesome because you know what? Following Jesus is not a burden. It's actually the way we know and experience life. And so as we think about the parable of the sower, the big idea we're going to think around is simply this, that the, the productivity of our faith is connected to our receptivity of His Word. So the productivity of our faith is connected to our receptivity of His Word. So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 13 because today's passage is brought to us by... The Gospel of Matthew! You're getting there. Now, Matthew is showing 
He is showing the world and he is, he, is, he is glad to announce. When we say gospel, gospel means good news. It means like, man, we have hope, we have joy, we have peace. That, that, the, that Matthew is showing that Jesus is the fulfillment. The good news is this, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises for the Messiah. That he was the one who, who was promised and he is the one who has come to rescue and to restore God's people. As we look at the life of Jesus Matthew will demonstrate not only did he work miracles, but he also stirred hope in the people through his words. But not everyone was inclined to his message. But that didn't stop him from sharing. And so as we come to our text, on the day he's down by the lake and he's surrounded by people who had come to hear what he had to say. And so this is what it says in Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying... A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now the picture that Jesus paints with the story, with the story is one that was familiar to the landscape of the people of Jesus' day. It was a picture of a farmer sowing seed. Now, the way they did their, their, their sowing and stuff like that is a little bit different than you and I do. How many of you, your garden is like cruising along right now? Some of us. Okay, so I, I was doing great because I put in my potatoes. I got, so we got, our, we got Rachel's garden and then you've got David's garden <laughs> because we get along so well. My garden has potatoes and corn. Because how many know that's a good thing? And all I need now is a cow. And then I can have potatoes, corn, and beef. But we'll get there. But, but it's fun. So I have it. Well, anyways, I went out with my son. We did all the work. And we, we went through and, and we make rows with string. And then we poke holes in the ground. And then we went in and I deposited all my corn seed. And that's how we did it. And then we cover it over. And then we water it and wait till we can feed the rabbits. And that's exactly what happened. They ate all the corn. And so yesterday, no, two days ago, Matt and I went out again, and we said, well, we're probably out of time, but we'll try it again. But we put a fence around it this time. But, but you know, you, you think about how we do it. We generally till the ground up, and then we get everything ready, and we put seeds in. Okay, in Jesus' day, the way they did harvest were a little bit different than you and I. So, so what they would do in their day, sometimes they would, they would plow up the field or break up the field, and then they would scatter the seed, and then they would plow it again so that the dirt would begin to just cover up the seed. And, and so as the sower goes out, he just begins to, to sow his seed. He, he's just going out, and, and, and I love the stories of Jesus, because you can just imagine it. You know, the sower is just, just tossing it here and there, and he's throwing it all around, not, not haphazardly or randomly, but he's got this idea. This is the field that needs planting, and he's just tossing it. 
And as he's tossing it, Jesus tells the story that, you know, some of this stuff as it was being cast, it just fell on the ground where the path was. And before it could do anything, the birds were coming down and picking it up and taking it away. They were eating it. But there was other stuff that, that, that didn't fall on the path and it got a little, kind of got hid in the midst of the field and stuff like that. And when the soil was put over it, you could begin to tell the quality of the soil as the seed began to come up because in some places as the, the seed came up and it was just a little shoot, it was doing really good. But all of a sudden the hot, bright sun and the arid conditions just scorched the plant and... Jesus was like, the reason that happened is because there was a shallowness to that soil. And then other times there was stuff that, that came up. And, and not only did the good stuff come up, but there were other stuff that was coming up, this, the thorns and thistles, and, and kind of surrounded, and it says it choked them, and it never produced a harvest. But then there was a whole bunch of seed that actually fell on the good ground. And that stuff, it, it produced an abundance. It produced uh, enough not only to, to, to you know, get your return back, but also more, so that you could actually eat and, and have seed for the next season. It was about abundance. So he tells this story. And we find out that the, the idea of the story is that the harvest is impacted by the quality of the soil that the seed encounters. Now, what we love about parables is parables is really an invitation. How many of you love stories? I, I love stories, right? I, I love the pictures and to think about it. Many times it's an invitation for us just, just to be a part of the story. And as we go through some of these parables, you'll find out that, that we get to kind of step into the story and be a part of it. But Jesus used parables to invite people to think deeper about kingdom ideas. And really in doing this, what Jesus was doing is he was taking the role of the prophet. So you may not realize this, but if you read the Old Testament, some of the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel... They also shared God's word using parables. And then what Jesus is doing is he's using these stories to declare God's word to a people that need to hear. I love it as we get to the end of the passage that we read. It says this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. How many know that having ears does not necessarily mean that you hear? Can I get a witness on this one? How many of you have kids? <laughs> Let me know they got ears, but they are not always hearing. How many of you are married? We're not going to go there. You know what I'm talking about in marriage, though? Like, you know, didn't I tell you, you know, they may have ears, but they didn't hear? Uh-huh. Except for guys, we have that amazing 30-second playback that we can do. You know those moments where your wife turns to you and says, um, what did I just say? And you know that's the interruption of the conversation. You're like, oh, hold up. Play back 30 seconds, and then you tell them. And they're like, going, yeah, you can play it back, but are you listening to me? Because there's, a, there, there's this idea that, that hearing is so much more than just something that tickles the ears. Now, I told you we'd do a hearing test. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not. This is a little help this morning. I want to be as helpful as possible. Did you know that it is normal for people to lose capacities to hear as they get older. Okay, so there's this fun test we're going to do. It's going to take about a minute. It's going to drive some of you crazy. If you don't want to participate, you'll just close, just hold your ears. But what we're going to do is I have this 
quick little thing that I am going to play that is going to run the range of human hearing frequencies. So we're not going to be the frequencies of bats, okay? We're going to be in humans. And we're going to start at the low ranges. And so it'll kind of start out, and you'll kind of feel like this, this rumbly thing. And then slowly, it will go higher and higher and higher. And all of a sudden, for all of us at some point, it's going to go quiet. When it goes quiet for you, I want you to raise your hand. So you all with me on this one? This is one of those terrible things. You're like, oh my goodness. So you can, you can set it over. We're going to, Pastor Dwayne's holding his hand up already and Chuck, I can't hear anything. All right. And so this is just simply how old are your ears? Okay. So everybody be quiet. Shh. Okay. We'll count it down. You remember, once you can't hear, hand goes up. Okay? Three, two, one. Keep your hands up. All right, put your hands down. Holy cow, was that like awful? Some of you may need to have your hearing checked. Because you're like, going, it stopped for me. But then you're like, hey, wait. There's a whole lot of hands. And what if you noticed, there's, there's a correlation. The younger some people are, the longer they could hear. Okay. Now, this is really interesting because you and I were all like in the same place, you know, and Pastor Dave's talking. We're all hearing different things. But, but it's interesting because the frequencies begin to change. And when the frequencies change, we can get to a place where we, our ears don't hear it anymore. Now, there's an interesting product. It's called the Mosquito. <laughs> That's been deployed. It, it, this is not just the bug. This is a little box that's been deployed in malls and parks. And what they do is the mosquito is designed to emit a certain frequency for those generally over 25 that they cannot hear it, but youth and kids can. And it's annoying because it just hums. Now. I didn't think this stuff really worked, but then it was kind of fun because I heard about this and, okay, let's play it with the kids. Because how many of you as a parent, you like to do psychological tricks on your kids just because you've got to figure out if it really works? <laughs> so we play the frequency thing, and there's a certain bandwidth, right? And so I went on YouTube, and I fired it up, 
and I hit play, and I heard nothing, and I turned it up, and I heard nothing. And then the kids come walking into the room. What is that horrendous noise? <laughs> Pastor Dwayne likes to do this at the mall. He's got issues too. <laughs> That's why we hired him. Because he has the right kind of issues. But, but it's kind of interesting that, that your hearing and mine, physically, we have the ears... But sometimes we're not able to hear. And I want you to know it's not just Jesus is trying to help us understand this is not just a physical reality. This is actually a spiritual reality. That there are times where God is speaking and God is moving. And there are some people that they, they become aware of it and they, they can hear it. And they're like, oh, I need to move and I need to respond while other people... They hear nothing. So as we look at the parable of the sower, it's really about our hearing. Because how can we experience the abundance of the kingdom if we can't hear the message of God? So I want to note a few things about this parable real quickly. And that's the first is simply this, that the kingdom of God is spread through the word. That the kingdom of God takes entrance into our life, takes, takes root in our life through the proclamation of God's word or through the word. Now, we know this, that, that if you read Genesis chapter 1, you'll find out when God creates the world, it begins like this. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so there's this idea we find in scripture that, that what God's word does is it begins to create what we know is we read the story that because of sin's entrance into the world, that, that this creation was hindered and disrupted, and instead of moving toward good, there's this devolving, fragmenting, breaking that's taking place. And God recognizes that you and I can't put it back together, and so Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And through the coming of the Word, as John writes in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. And as that Word entered into humanity and into our time and space, through the work and, and, and the ministry of Jesus, a process of recreating the world, which was broken by sin, began. That is through the word of Jesus that, 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 the, that, that the power of God becomes loosed in our lives to begin to bring about the abundance that we long for. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The second thing that I want to note about this parable is not only does the kingdom of God, not only that the kingdom of God is spread through the word, but participation in the kingdom comes through hearing. This is why it's so important. And again, this, 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 this hearing is more than just the process of having our ears stimulated by sound waves. It, it, it is really a, a hearing the voice of God and then, then hearing that actually leads to obedience. Where it's so much more than we just hear about God's word, but, but we begin to take God's word and, and it becomes a part of our life and we begin to live out His word. Did you know that in both Hebrew and Greek, 
the word that we end up translating as obey, that in both Hebrew and Greek, that at the root of what's being said there is actually to hear. That it's really hard to obey if you're not listening. You see, what God is calling us to do is that if we're going to participate in the kingdom, that, that, that God's kingdom is spread through the word, but, but we have a responsibility to, to hear and to listen so that we might align our lives with what Jesus says. The third thing I want to note is that our capacity to hear is impacted ultimately by the condition of our heart. So we would talk about naturally that, that, that our, our, our capacity to hear happens in our ears. Spiritual hearing is really about the issue of the heart. It's about an issue of the heart. And this becomes clear both uh, through Jesus, what, what he, through his articulation of his strategy, as well as the meaning of the parable. Now, before Jesus will, will unpack the meaning of the parable, which we'll get to in just a moment, if you read in Matthew, he's got this middle section where he kind of quotes from the prophet Isaiah. And it seems a little harsh because, or, or it seems a little difficult because this is what it says. In them is fulfilled, this is what Jesus says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, and they hardly hear with their ears, and, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And it's kind of this interesting little passage, because what's going on here is Isaiah, God is telling Isaiah, listen, I want to speak life to my people. I want my people to know abundance, but there's a problem. And the reason Isaiah came is because the problem was this, is that people's hearts were not oriented toward God. They were oriented toward all sorts of other things. You see, one of the things that happens in our life is we begin to reflect what we worship. If you read Isaiah, Isaiah has this really great idea that happens a little bit later on. It happens in the beginning. It actually happens through all of it. But Isaiah will begin to talk about God's people. He's saying, hey, guys, listen, you're, you're the kind of people that, that make idols. And when you, when you fashion and you shape your idol, you, you give it eyes, but they can't see. You, you give them ears, but they can't hear. You will give them a mouth, but they can't speak. And he talks about these idols, these things where people orient their lives. And you and I know that an idol can be so much more than just a little icon or a little shape. An idol is just simply the thing toward which we orient our hearts that is differentiated or different from the God who made us. Now, I don't know if you know this, but we were created in the image of God. God has eyes, and he can see. And when you and I are in right relationship with God, you know what happens? We can begin to see. 
with our eyes. Not, not just see, but we can see. That, that because God is a God who hears as we follow him, you know what you and I get to do? We, we don't just get to hear, we get to hear. Because our God speaks, you and I have the capacity to speak. And it's really interesting because what, what, what Jesus is addressing is saying, guys, listen, as I tell this parable, you need to keep in mind that which is going on in the history of God's people. Because they had eyes and they had ears. And they could neither hear nor, they could, nor could they see. And Jesus is like, listen, the kingdom of God has come to you. I have come to you because I want you to know that God cares about you and he longs for you to know abundance. But in order to know that abundance, your heart needs to be sensitized or in line with him. You see, for Jesus, the heart matters. And ultimately, our capacity to hear is impacted by the condition of our heart. And this is why I say that the, product, the productivity of our faith, that which it produces, is connected to our receptivity of His Word. How well are we hearing His Word? And I think this is an important question because have you ever noticed that sometimes in the church, Jesus says things that we as His followers need to do, but then we don't do it? You ever notice that? So the question is, is are we listening? Are we listening? So Jesus gives the answer to the entire, uh, he, he, gives the, he gives the explanation of the parable. And I want to look at that real quickly as we talk about what are ways that we can improve our hearing. This is how Jesus explained the parable in verse 18. He says this, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Listen. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. Okay, I want to talk real quickly about this idea of who does not understand Okay, they hear and understand, because there's this connection. Understanding is more than just, it makes sense to me. It's understood in the fact that they begin to live it out. I want you to hear what that means. That means that, 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 that if we hear the word and we don't begin to live it out, what ends up happening is that word gets stolen from us, because you know what the enemy doesn't want you and I to do? To begin to live out his word. And so the... Birds come and they take it. It goes on to say, the seed falling on the rocky ground refer refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And again, this understanding as they begin to apply it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. 
So how do we begin to improve our hearing? I want to note four things real quickly from this passage. The first is this, is we need to deal with hardness of heart. See, one of the things that happens as we go through life, we, we experience pain, we experience difficulty. And what ends up happening is sometimes our hearts begin to say, I will not be hurt there again. And what happens is we build a wall. And it keeps people out. And there's a hardening. Not only is there a hardening through, through that, but from it can, can arise this idea, you know what? I can figure out what's best for my life. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. Anybody here a little stubborn? I got myself into this mess. I will get myself out. The idea of sin, right at, the, right at the, idea, the root of the idea of sin is that we choose our way against God's. That we're essentially telling God, I know better than you how to experience abundance in my life. And when our heart is in that place, it doesn't matter how much of God's word gets dropped or deposited in and around our hearts. Because the hardness of our heart, it can't take root. Throughout the Old Testament, into the New, there's an invitation that is given to everyone, and that is to exchange a heart of stone for a heart of flesh, for something that is hard and broken, to something that is new. And I'm convinced that if we're wrestling with hardness of heart in our lives, in, in areas of our lives, we need to allow God's love and goodness to change us at the core of who we are, because we will never be able to he hear with a hard heart. Secondly, we need to address the shallowness of our heart. For, for Jesus, this is this idea of faith rooted in emotion. You know, they're, they're excited when the word comes, this is the greatest thing ever. And then it gets hard. And they're like, you know, I think I'm done with hard. I've watched this play out in marriages. Have you ever seen there's joy at the beginning of the marriage, but then all of a sudden it gets hard, and it's like, oh, you know what, let's just stop this stuff. It, it, it happens in, in relationship. It, it happens where just like, oh, you know what, as long as everything is good, I'm on board. But when it gets hard, I'm done. This happens in church sometimes. I love this church. This is the best church ever. And then, oh, somebody did this, or did you hear what the pastor said? That's it, I'm done. We tap out. I think that if we're going to be able to hear God's word, if we're going to produce the abundance God wants for us, it requires us adding depth to our being. To be people of devotion who are committed to endure through difficult seasons. How many know difficult seasons are inevitable? How many know that rough relationship moments are inevitable? Where there's motion, there's friction. It's going to happen. And we need to have something that keeps us in the game longer than just our emotions. So if we're going to improve our hearing, we need to address any shallowness of heart. Thirdly, we need to confront the crowdedness of our heart. Jesus talks, out, talks about how sometimes faith is choked out by the demands of the day. 
that the demands of the day, the, the, the schedules, and, and he begins to talk about the worries of life. The worries of life. How many know that there are lots of things that we can be worried about? Okay? Okay, so this is my pastor's heart to everybody here. Be careful who you are yielding your heart to in regards to fear. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Our culture loves to use fear to influence and motivate people. All the time. Pastor, are we having church? Okay, this is, this is a modern day example. Pastor, are we having church? Did you hear what the what particles per billion in the air are? Are we having church? Oh, no. Listen, we're just not going to be the church. If it gets too polluted out there, we're just done. <laughs> but see, some people get so worried and worked up on it. Oh, my goodness, do you know this and this and this? Oh, my goodness, did you hear this happen? Oh, no, this is going to happen. Oh, no. And, and what happens is the worries of life choke out our faith. Now, I have watched, and listen, I'm a pastor, I have watched people give up on faith or, or they're like, going, oh, you know what, I have to change all my stuff simply because I am worried. Not recognizing that what fear does is fear begins to choke faith out. It begins to limit and diminish our lives. And because of it, we never become fruitful. Not only does Jesus say some of these things are the worries of life, but he also speaks to the deceitfulness of wealth. The idea that, you know what, if I just have a little bit more of this, it will satisfy the issue that I have. If I just had a little bit more money, life would be good. How many know life would be good with a little bit more money? You can raise your hand because it's true. You're like, oh yeah, it'd be so much better. Pay that bill, not have to worry about that car payment. Have that mortgage paid for? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if student loans could just be forgiven? If I could just have something more, then I can be productive. And we begin to chase all these little mores. And now we're more concerned about making sure we're getting enough money rather than growing our relationship with God. We become more concerned about all these little things, and what ends up happening is it begins to crowd out our hearts, and in so doing, we stop not just hearing, but we never get to the place of the abundance God has for us. I think we need to confront the crowdedness of our heart. The last thing, that if we are going to improve our hearing, so we've talked about how we need to address the hardness of our hearts, the shallowness of our hearts, the crowdedness of our hearts, but lastly, we need to develop a responsive heart. A heart that hears and understands, a heart that takes God's word and says, okay, so now I'm going to begin to live it. I'm going to begin to live it out. So I grew up watching cartoons. How many grew up watching cartoons Saturday morning, especially children of the 80s? Finish this sentence. Knowledge is power. Okay. How many know that's not true? How many of you know lots of things you should do? 
but it doesn't give you the power to do them. How many of you know not spending all your money from week to week is a good thing? To live on less than you make, how many of you say that's a good thing? How many know that but don't do it? How many know that overeating can cause problems? How many know that? How many know knowing that doesn't mean you don't overeat? Now, the good news is this. We're having a dish to pass right after this, and it's in church, so there are no calories. <laughs> Just remember, Paul said, I buffet my body, and so we'll have a buffet in a moment. Okay. Knowledge is not power. Applying knowledge is powerful. Knowing God's word and applying God's word are two different things. The power is not in knowing it. The power is in doing it. Loving your neighbor, many of you know to love your neighbor. Doing it is a whole different thing. See, and this is where Jesus is getting to. Hey, guys, listen, you want, you want a heart that produces abundance? Then you need to be a heart that says, okay, as I hear God's word, I'm going to begin to live it. For Jesus, the real focus is on bearing fruit. This is one commentator. I love what he said. The only valid hearing is hearing that produces. And the only way it's produced is through when it's applied. The productivity of our faith is connected to our receptivity of His Word. So how's your hearing? How's your hearing? Because if you will listen and you will respond, as if you listen and you obey and you begin to live out these things, I want you to know there is a harvest God wants to bring to your life. A harvest of righteousness a harvest of peace, and a harvest of joy. My prayer is, God, would you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand and obey what he's calling us to. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you love us. And God, I thank you for our time together as we look in your word. Lord, we need you, and we need your help. Lord, we recognize that there are moments in our lives where we, um, we don't hear so well. Lord, there are times where the, the, we've become hard in our hearts thinking that we know best and it's our way or the highway, where, where we've been hurt so bad that we, we don't give room to listen or to respond. So God, we're asking that you would soften our hearts. Lord, there are times where our faith is really shallow. And Lord, we do it when it feels good, but God, the moment it starts getting tough, that's it, we're done. God, would you deepen our commitment to you to be so much more than just emotion. 
Lord Jesus, there are so many things that, that compete and vie for our time and our attentions. And, and Lord, our, our lives sometimes get so busy and so crowded. There is no space for you. And our faith gets choked out. And we don't experience the harvest. Lord, we need your help. Lord, I thank you that you paid the penalty for every sin. That we don't have to be defined by our past. And so that, Lord, you could send your Holy Spirit to empower us to live in the freedom that you have won for us. That our lives may be fruitful for your glory. God, I pray that you would begin to fill our lives with your righteousness, your peace, and your joy. God, may we not just hear the word. May we just not know the word. But God, may we live it. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply say, you know what? I need God to help my hearing. If that's you, would just raise your hand. Lord, you see all these hands. Lord, you see every struggle. You see every area where they're wrestling. And Father, I pray grace over them right now. Father, I pray against the enemy that would seek to rob them and steal from them. The abundance that you've promised, the abundance you long to bring to them. And God, I pray that, Lord, as they reach their hands out to you, Lord, as they turn their hearts to you, Lord, as they obey you, Father, I pray you would bring them life. God, may our lives be marked by your grace. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.